Okay, last week we started a short series on prayers that make a difference, and we looked at the prayer of Jabez, and we saw four things, uh, that Jabez wanted God to bless him, that Jabez wanted God to enlarge his territory, that Jabez wanted God to be with him, and that he would keep him from evil. And if you didn't uh, hear that message last week, unfortunately there was a problem with the recording, so it's not on the net, but if you just email us at the church, I can give you my sermon notes for that, um, uh, for that message, and so you can catch up with it there. I want to just carry on with that um, theme this morning, but one of the great ultra-distance runs in the world is the Sydney to Melbourne ultra-marathon, 800 and... 75 kilometers, and that's quite a distance, and while Colin might have run 50 or so marathons, I don't think you've done an ultra marathon yet, have you? No, and I haven't even done a marathon, so you know, just imagine, 875 kilometers, it's one of the most grueling ultra marathons in the world, and in 1983, the favorite for this particular race was a New Zealander called Siggy Bauer, who was the 1,000 kilometer world record holder. But that year, that particular year, a 61-year-old potato farmer called Cliff Young showed up at the start of the race wearing overalls and work boots. And of course, uh, all the media just absolutely laughed at this guy. And so they asked him, they said, so, so do you think you can actually finish the race? And uh, Cliff Young said, well, I was brought up on a farm where we couldn't afford horses and tractors. We had 2,000 sheep on 2,000 acres. And so when a, when a storm was coming, we had to go and round up the sheep. So I would be running these sheep sometimes for two and three and four days at a time uh, to get them all back in. So I think I can finish the race. Now, all the pros knew that to run an ultra-marathon, it's going to take probably about six days, and they would generally have 18 hours of running, then six hours of sleeping. So when this race started, the professionals just all took off and left, Siggy, uh, left uh, Cliff Young in their wake, and he just sort of shuffled along. And the first day into the race, the first night, Cliff made a mistake. He woke up after only two hours of sleep, thinking it was going to be daytime soon, and started running. When he realised his mistake, feeling good, he decided to keep on going. And... That's what he did for the next five days. On hardly any sleep, he absolutely blitzed the field, uh, ran it or shuffled it in a new race record, won it by 15 hours. <laughs> 15 hours. When he was awarded the, the prize of $10,000, he said he didn't even know there was a prize. And he wasn't entering in it for the money, so he split the money up amongst a whole pile of his other competitors. 
And of course, this just absolutely endeared him to the Australian people. And he, he became an icon. And he absolutely changed the way that ultramarathons were run. He just kept on shuffling, kept on persevering, and he won the race. Prayer is a bit like that. It's not a sprint. It's an ultramarathon. It's part of our relationship with God. It's how we connect with God. It happens in different ways at different times. Sometimes, and very often, it happens while everybody else is sleeping. The journey is probably more important than the destination. And one of the characteristics that we need to grow, especially in our prayer life, is perseverance. James says in James chapter 1, verse 3, that testing of our faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Hebrews 12, 1 says we need to run with perseverance the life, the race of life mapped out for us. And often, if you're like me, if our prayers aren't answered Immediately, it tests our faith. But unless our faith is tested, we will never grow up in the things of God and mature as Christians. One of the great Bible characters that was definitely a man of perseverance was Jacob. Uh, Jacob was the younger twin son of Isaac and Rebekah. Uh, while he had a heart for God, he was a deceiver, as his name describes. Uh, when he was born, he had his hand on his elder brother's heel, uh, grasping, trying to pull him back into the womb, as, a, as it were. Um, Jacob, at one stage, took advantage of his brother Esau, when his brother Esau was uh, really starving. Uh, he traded his brother's birthright for a bowl of stew. And later on, at his mother's prompting, he tricked his father into giving him Esau's firstborn blessing. And when Esau found out that Jacob had tricked his father, Esau wanted to kill him. So Jacob just gets out of there. And at his mother's insisting, heads for Haran. The amazing thing for me is, here you got this guy who has done his brother out of his birthright. He's been a bit of a scallywag all of his life. And the very first night on his journey, running away from trouble... He has an amazing encounter with God. And I think God is no respecter of persons. Here he is running away from problems, first night out, goes to sleep, and he has this incredible vision of angels ascending and descending. And God comes to him in this um, vision and tells him that he wants to bless him and make him a blessing and that all of the earth would be blessed through him. 
when he eventually reaches Haran and his uncle Laban, he meets the love of his life, Rachel, uh, who was Laban's younger daughter. And so he can marry Rachel. He offers to work for Laban for seven years. Anyone work for their wife for more than seven years? 25. Do I have an advance on 25? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, well, 41 coming up in February. 41 years I've been working for Penny. Do I hear 42, 42, 42, 43, 43? Yeah, sold. He works for seven years for uh, his wife, Rachel. And I don't know whether they turn the lights off or whatever, but he gets married And when he wakes up the morning after, he finds out that he's in bed with Rachel's sister, not Rachel. I mean, I don't know how that would happen. Maybe he needed glasses or something. But anyway, he is is mortified. He's mortified. He's got the elder daughter. He's He's been tricked. The trickster has been tricked. He's got the elder daughter in bed with him instead of the one he loves. And uh, so he goes to his uncle, and, he, and his uncle says, oh, you know, uh, have to marry off the uh, older daughter first, but work for me for another seven years, and you can have the younger daughter. And so he does. He works for another seven years, so 14 years. Man, that is absolute commitment, isn't it? And he eventually marries uh, Rachel. 20 years after leaving his home, Jacob and family... Uh, decide to leave their father-in-law Laban and head for home. And on the way, he hears his brother Esau and a band of men are coming to meet him. And so thinking the worst, he cries out to God. And this is it in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 7. So if you've got that, you can turn to it in your Bibles or you can see it on the screen here. And it says this. In great fear of distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and the herds and the camels as well. And he thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed the Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there. And from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. In fact, he selected a gift and a gift and a gift and a gift. He really, really, really wanted to bless his brother Esau to save his own skin. In verse 22, that night Jacob got up, took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabok. And after he had sent them across the stream... He sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left. Sorry, so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Uh, this this man, theologians call a theophany, which is a um, pre-incarnation 
version of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it was God in the flesh. When the man... When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will, be no, will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with human beings, and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Wow. So Jacob, despite all of his shortcomings, wrestles with God, God blesses him, and God changes his name, which is a sign that there was a change in character. So Jacob means grabber or trickster, and Israel uh, means a prince with God, literally one that has struggled with God and overcome, one who has influence with both God and men. So despite Jacob's fears regarding his brother, who, by the way, wasn't coming to kill him. His brother was coming to greet him. His brother had actually forgiven him. Uh, the one thing that Jacob does well is that he gets hold of God and he hangs on and he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. We all need that kind of persevering tenacity in our prayer life as well. Perseverance, I've found, can be born out of great trials when you're pushed into a corner and basically you've got little other option or no other choices and you basically just have to hang on and hang on and hang on and hang on. And some of you have been in that situation over this previous year. But other times, perseverance will come from great faith a faith that always believes in God's best for you and always trusts that God will work everything out for good. I was really pleased with um, the songs this morning because they fitted in just absolutely perfectly with uh, the heart of what I believe God wanted to say to us this morning. God is good, amen? And he's good all of the time. Uh, Jesus, when he was encouraging his disciples in pr prayer, tells the story in Luke 18 of a widow who persistently keeps on coming and coming and coming to the unjust judge, seeking justice from him. And in the end, the judge, sick of her continual uh, pleas, relents and sorts the matter out for her. And Jesus, commenting on this particular parable, says in Luke 18:7, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Would he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Or as one of the other um, versions says, will he find this kind of faith on the earth? Faith that believes that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. Now, I need to just say that we are not like the widow in the story. 
We are totally opposite to her. She was poor. She was powerless. She was forgotten. She was abandoned. She had no relationship with the judge. For him, she was just one more item on her, his to-do list. We are not abandoned. We are God's adopted sons and daughters. We are precious. We are loved. And our loving Heavenly Father is nothing like that judge in Jesus' story. The judge was crooked, unrighteous, unfair, uncaring, preoccupied with personal matters. But by contrast, our God is righteous, holy, He is tender, He is responsive, He is sympathetic. He wants to bless His children. He wants above all else to fellowship with His children. In fact, Jesus said, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who seek him. So God's heart is actually to bless his kids. I've noticed that sometimes God answers my prayers straight away, and Jesus encourages us to pray and keep on praying. In fact, sometimes our prayers are answered before we even ask. I mean, God's name, one of God's names is Jehovah Jireh, the one who sees Literally, before the need even arises. It makes provision for it. Isaiah 65, 24 says, Before they call, I will answer. I love reading stories of great men and women, especially missionaries. And one of the great missionary medical doctors from England was a woman by the name of Helen Rosevear, and she served in Zaire from 1953 to 1973, and she in one of her books tells how one night uh, a woman that she was attending to died in childbirth, leaving a tiny premature baby and a crying two-year-old daughter. They had difficulty keeping the uh, baby alive. They had no electricity. They had no incubator. They had no special feeding facilities, and although they lived on the equator, and those of you who have ever visited those places will know that the nights are incredibly, incredibly cold. Uh, the last of the hot water bottles had perished, so all they could do was sleep with the baby as close to the fire as possible and pray that it would be warm enough. And the following day, around about lunchtime, uh, she did what she did every lunchtime. Helen gathered all the children from the orphanage together for a prayer time. And she told the children about the tiny baby and the two-year-old sister crying before her, because her uh, mother had died. And during the prayer time, one 10-year-old called Ruth prayed an amazing prayer. And she said, Please, God, she prayed, send us a hot water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow. God, as the baby will be dead, so please send it this afternoon. And while you're about it, would you please send a dolly for the little girl so that she'll know that you really love her? Well, this medical doctor wrote that as often was the case with children's prayers, she was struggling to say amen to it as she just didn't believe that God would do it, although, of course, she believed that God could do it. Anyway, if anyone was to send her a parcel, it would have to come from England. And who would put a hot water bottle 
in a parcel to someone living on the equator. Halfway through the afternoon, she's teaching in the nurse's training school and she gets a message that there's a large parcel on her veranda. Uh, she could not open the parcel alone, so she gets all the orphanage kids around and together they carefully pull off the string, the paper, and from the top they begin to lift out all the, uh, all the gifts. Brightly coloured knitted jerseys, bandages for the leprosy patients, and then as she put her hand in again, she pulled out a brand new rubber hot water bottle. She cried. She hadn't asked God to send it. She hadn't believed that he would. And 10-year-old Ruth, who was in the front row of the children, rushed forward crying out, if God has sent the hot water bottle, he must have sent a dolly too. (laughs) And sure enough, down in the bottom of the box, she pulled out a small, beautifully dressed dolly. And that 10-year-old had never, ever doubted. That parcel had been on its way for five months. This is, this is before the internet. But God had seen the need and heard that little girl's prayer and made provision to answer that prayer before it was even prayed. Doesn't that give you great confidence that God sees you in your situation, your circumstance? And God can answer that prayer any which way he, he likes. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we, we ask or even imagine. I think that's our, that's our verse for the year. If there's one verse that God has been emphasizing to us again and again and again, is he's able to do far exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or even imagine. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer for our prayers to be answered. Other times... It takes a long while, or the prayers are answered in a different form. I was talking to a gentleman this morning who we've been praying for for a couple of years because he was in uh, kidney failure. And uh, then I didn't see him for a couple of months. I lost track, couldn't contact him. We've been praying for healing, but it, it just didn't seem to be happening. We were praying for a miracle, and it just didn't seem to be happening. As I found out later, he got a, an emergency kidney transplant. And he's looking absolutely fantastic. And what a miracle gift of life that would have been. And it was an answer to prayer, but it was just in a different form than what we had expected it to to come in. Uh, When you're praying for other people, remember that their free will is always involved. Uh, George Mueller, one of the great prayer warriors, prayed every day for five unsaved friends. One came to Christ after five years. One, two more came after 10 years. After 30, 35 years of praying, the fourth was saved. And after 52 years of praying for the last friend, day and night, every day for 52 years, Mueller died without ever seeing his prayers answered. But that fifth friend came to the Lord at Mueller's funeral. One in five years, one in 52 years. Same prayers, same faith, different situations. God has given us lots of amazing prophetic promises as individuals and as a church. But these aren't going to come to pass 
unless we partner with him in persevering prayer to see the breakthroughs that we need. About four years ago, God promised us that he would restore to us everything that the enemy had taken off us. And I've been praying that prayer uh, for four years nearly every day. And I'm welcoming any others who will join with me in praying that God restore to us, God bless us so that we can be a blessing. And we all need to cry out to God, God, I will not let you go till you bless me. You know, the disciples prayed in Jerusalem until they received power from on high. Daniel prayed and fasted for 21 days before he finally heard from the angel Gabriel who told Daniel that his prayers were heard the very first day that he prayed them, but that there was a battle going on in the heavenlies and it had taken 21 days for Gabriel to break through with the answer to that prayer. William Carey labored and prayed for seven years before he baptized his first convert in India. If we sent out a a missionary to India and they had no converts in seven years, most of us, and if you're from a visiting church, most of the churches that you would come from as well would have pulled those missionaries off the field. And yet here is a man who changed the face of modern missions, who had fantastic results in India, but it took him seven years for a breakthrough. We're an instant generation. We're used to seeing things happen straight away. Adonai Johnson was seven years in Burma, Burma before he had a breakthrough. Hudson Taylor prayed and labored for years in China. Moffat prayed and persevered for seven years before the Holy Spirit moved in Africa. So what made Luther and Knox and Wesley and Finney and Edwards and Brainard and Howes and Spurgeon and others so powerfully anointed. It was their persevering prayer. Because anything that God has called you to do will be bigger than what you are able to do in your own strength. And we desperately need Him to come. And have his way not only in us, but through us. And one of the vehicles, one of the characteristics that God wants to develop in us is perseverance. And one of the great training grounds is with prayer. Why don't you stand with me as the musicians come? I know there are people here this morning... who need a breakthrough in their situation and circumstances. I would love to be able to just get everybody up in the altar call, lay hands on you all, and immediately all your problems would be solved. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't take any of your faith though, would it? And one of the things that God wants us to do is to grow up to know Him, to trust Him, And trust is developed in situations where things aren't going that great. I learned more in the difficult times, in the hardships of life, 
in the valleys than I've ever learned on the mountaintops. While it's great when we're all victorious and God does promise us victory as we follow Jesus Christ, we are going to win. But along life's journeys, there are difficulties. But every difficulty is an opportunity for us to grow in character and grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you, church, to pray and keep on praying. To seek and keep on seeking. To knock and keep on knocking. And come into a deeper place with the God who loves us so much that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have a relationship with him. You know, the greatest example of perseverance in the Bible is God. The Bible tells us that God is love. And 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says that love perseveres. And if you were to just to glance back over your own life, you will see that you have been pursued by a loving, persevering God who wouldn't leave you alone until you came to that place of surrender to Him. But every day, every week, every month, every year is a new place. And it's a new opportunity for us to grow in the things of God and just to know Him. So this morning, just as the musicians pray and just as the musicians play, I want you just to stand in a position of surrender. And I'd really like it if you could just surrender yourself afresh to the plans and the purposes of God. There are going to be some things on your heart that God is going to answer straight away. There's going to be miracles. There's going to be healings. There's going to be open doors that you never expected. But there's going to be other things in your life that are going to take persevering prayer for you to really break through in. And it's going to take you to come to that place where you will say, God, I will not let you go until you bless me. God, I'm in this for the long haul. God, I want your blessing on my life so that I can be a blessing to others. I'm hanging on those words that you've given us, those situations that we've found ourselves in. God, break through, break through, break through, break through. And I will trust you till the very end.